Okay, we started a new series a couple weeks ago called Strange Things. And if you missed uh, the first couple, you can go back and watch those or listen to those. Today's topic is moving forward. What do we mean by strange things? Well, basically this. There is an invisible world that impacts our visible world. Now, we understand about invisible scientific stuff like uh, gravity and, and um, magnetism. You can't see those things. You can't even see the wind. But we're talking more about the spiritual realm. There's a spiritual world, an invisible spiritual world, both of good and bad, holy and evil. And even though we can't see it, we can see the influence or the impact in our world. And we're going to talk about, well, the evil one, Satan and his followers, their major tactic is to deceive us, to lie to us. And so we talked about the lie to us about how we respond to authority, last, last, last week's topic. Today we want to talk about how evil forces lie to us about pain and suffering. So I know I'm going to hit everybody this morning because the topic is pain and suffering. Everybody, I don't know anybody that's excluded, has pain and suffering. Physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain, all kind of relational pain, all of us. In fact, a pretty famous quote from a, somebody, that, a writer that most of you probably have heard of, C.S. Lewis, said something about this pain. He said, God whispers us to us in our pleasure. When life's going pretty good, we kind of, God, thanks, but I'm doing fine. I'll let you know when I need you. He said, speaks to us in our conscience. We talked about our conscience last week when, you know, we decide to, our decision on how to respond to authority and laws. Sometimes it affects our conscience, but notice what he says. It, he, God shouts to us in our pain. When we're in our pain and suffering, that's when we really, okay, God, I need you now. A megaphone to arouse a deaf world. It seems the quickest or shortest route to God to get to us or us to get to God is when we are suffering. Now, when suffering happens, the first thing most of us ask and it's natural, it's normal, is to say, why? Why? Why am I having this relationship issue? Why am I having this physical issue? Why am I having this financial issue? Why am I having this marriage issue? Why am I having this issue with my kids? Whatever it might be. All right, our first question is why? So why do we ask the question? Now here's why I think we ask the question. On your outline, we feel like, I think we feel like that if I can endure this pain, Better, I can get through it better if I can make sense out of it, if there is a good reason for it. On the flip side, though, if I can't make sense of it, what's a tendency for how, how, is, how do we have a tendency to react if it doesn't make sense to us? Sometimes, there goes our faith. Okay, God, you're, you're allowing this to happen to me, or you're causing this to happen to me. There's no good reason for it. There's no purpose for it. I can't explain it, so God, thanks, but no thanks. All right? That's some people's response. Another response we have is, you know, if I had done it differently, you know, if I'd been a better husband, a better parent, a better spouse, a better uh, taking better care of myself, I've made a different decision here if I did this differently. 
Uh, that's another thing we do. Now, a kind of an odd part of pain and suffering is sometimes you and I choose pain. We select pain. Now, I don't know about your reaction. When you come across somebody that has multiple piercings on their face or head, what's your first thought? Ow. My first thought is, ow. It's got to hurt, right? Now, somewhere along the line, that person made that decision to get those piercings, which I'm assuming is painful. Now, I asked somebody, I've got expert witness to this second one, tattoos, all right? And I see somebody getting tattooed, I, it looks painful. So I asked somebody this morning, I can tell who it was, Claudia, the lady was singing. She has tattoos. I said, is it painful? She says, yes, without, without, without delay. Didn't even have to think about it. Now, I did ask her how long it lasts. She said, does it normally last very long? So that's kind of cool. But you're choosing pain for something beautiful. Some tats are beautiful. Uh, something beautiful later, right? <clears throat> we chose pain sometimes to have surgery. I've had surgery. Most of you probably had surgery. Surgery is painful. But there's less pain afterwards, right? It fixes something or hopefully fixes something. Uh, some of us are runners. It's painful sometimes to run, right? There's pain involved. I've got a bad knee right now. It's, it hurts uh, from running. But there's this prize to winning the race, or not winning the race, finishing the race. <laughs> Just finishing, right? So sometimes we choose pain because we see, oh, I'll put it on the screen. In our minds, the pain is worth something on the other end, right? Uh, whether it's something beautiful or some feel better. So it makes sense to us. So no issue. We have no issue with that type of pain and suffering. But what is our reaction when, I'm going to use the phrase, our legs get kicked out from under us? I mean, it's just like, bam! Something unexpected just hits you. Most of you know our future son-in-law back in September just died, 32 years old, unexpectedly. So when your legs get kicked out from you, again, you ask the question, why? What is the purpose in this? How can it be a purpose? So we ask that question, why? The interesting thing is that Jesus did this. Jesus asked why. In fact, he asked why at the most important part of his life. He's hanging on the cross, dying. Right? And most of us think he understood why he was here, why he came. He talked about it all along. He's hanging on the cross, dying, and he asks this question. Most of, it's familiar to most of you. My God, my God. Why? Why have you abandoned me? Another way of saying that is, is there, are you sure there's a purpose in me doing suffering and dying? You know, uh, if there's a greater good, I can handle it. But if, if not, I don't want to do this. I thought about a guy in the Bible named Lazarus got sick and his sisters asked Jesus to come and heal him. And they'd seen Jesus heal other people. They said, Jesus, you come and you can heal him. He'll be well. Well, he dies. And Jesus doesn't show up for four days. So Lazarus has been dead for four days. And when he shows up, Jesus shows up. His sisters say to him, why did you wait so long? If you had been here, you could have healed him. He wouldn't have died. 
Now, of course, it might be another story. He brings him back to life, so it didn't matter anyway. But why? Why? So, kind of bottom line is this. The answers to the mysteries of life, this life, the why questions, are rarely found in this life. And so that desire for us to find the answers, we don't normally find them in this life. And that's where Satan deceives us. And that's where the twist comes. That's where the lie comes. We think, okay, if I don't know the answer to this, I don't see the cause in this, I don't see a good reason for this, then God, you're not good. Now, before I go on with what I'm going to call the answer, um, two caveats. First one's this. The answer to pain and suffering is not going to be emotionally satisfying. It's not going to end your pain and suffering. It's not always going to tell you why you had pain and suffering. That's the first thing. The second thing, this explanation that I'm going to share with you is for believers. And if you're not a believer and you're with us, this, are, are watching, we're delighted. And I think there's something you can learn and certainly you can benefit. And certainly we encourage you to become a Jesus follower because then this will all make sense to you. So that's the two, two things. Because it's amazing to me, the people that aren't Jesus followers that deal with suffering and pain. Uh, my sister's here. I'm a, I'm, I say I'm the oldest of five, but I'm not the oldest of five. I'm the oldest of six. My mom and dad's first born. Name was Willard. Firstborn. Lived maybe two months and died of crypt death. And my parents weren't Christians at this time. They weren't Jesus followers. So how? Now I've got four children. I can't imagine my first child dying. A crib death. No explanation, right? Crib death. Without knowing, okay, God, I know this child is in your presence. And that you will bring comfort to me in my grief. But she got through it and eventually became a Jesus follower. <clears throat> so, for those of you who are struggling with this, I put on the outline. The God with whom you're angry, and I, I've been there. When God took Aaron and he took Bud, I was angry with God. I don't, I, no reservations about that. The same God that you're angry with, and I was angry with, has given us a way to make sense of pain and suffering. Now, we're going to look at something Paul wrote, again, like last week, uh, right into the church in Rome. And it's a little detailed, and in older translations, it's a little complicated or hard to understand, so I'll do the best I can to explain it. But he gives us a context for suffering. And it's a kind of a three-part or three-phase or three uh, aspects of suffering. And I'm going to give you the three aspects before we start, and then you'll notice that as we go through the passage, he's going to talk about in the beginning... In the meantime, or now, and in the end, in the future. Right? So with that, time, uh, that grid, if you will, we're going to look at, this is Romans chapter 8, and there's a very familiar, famous verse in here. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see the context of this verse that most of us know. So this is Romans 8, beginning in verse 18. Yet, now, older translations use the word, I reckon. In fact, it shows up. 15 times in the book of Romans. Um, it's a, a, a logic term. It's a mathematical term. Now, I've said many times, most of you have heard me say this, I love Christianity because it's logical. 
if you give certain uh, presuppositions, then it's logical. And so Paul's going to give us a logical argument within the frame of Christianity for pain and suffering. So he says, I reckon, or yet, what we suffer now, that's present, is nothing compared, so he's making a comparison, to the glory He, God, will reveal to us later, in the future. Suffering now, but it's going to be something much better in the future. So that's one context for pain and suffering. Now, I love going to school. Some people consider school pain and suffering. It's work. It's hard, right? And I went seven years past high school, so more than most people do. Uh, but as a result of that, I've been a pastor for the last 44 years. So I went through that pain of school, so I have the privilege and the glory, not that it's not hard work and it's difficult being a pastor, but it's a privilege I've had as a result of that hard work. Now, we have all kinds of suffering, uh, physical suffering, but mental or psychological suffering is probably worse. And I came across this Fascinating, kind of amazing story. Two men wound up in the same hospital at the same time with the same conditions. They both had skull fractures and broken leg. They were both in their mid-50s, basically same kind of health. Both of them had been hit by a car. So, uh, days go by. Uh, they're healing physically, but one is not getting better. So we need to understand the backstory for these two guys. So the, the one guy that was getting better, it was an accident. You know, he just got hit by a car. Nobody, you know, wasn't his fault or anything, but accidents happen. Now, I can relate to this. My sister knows when I was six years old, I had an accident was hit by a car and, and broke one of my legs. I have a metal plate in my leg to this day. Um, so, accident went on with his life, and he healed. The other guy, no. His backstory is quite different. He had a rebellious teenage son, and his son said, hey, I want to borrow the car, and his dad said, no, you can't use it. Well, he had used it before, and he had made a set of keys. So he said, I'm going to take it anyway. And so he goes out and gets in the car and starts it up. His dad goes out and gets behind the car and says, you're not going to take the car. His son backs up over him. Breaks his legs. So because of the anguish of a rebellious son, this one man had difficulty healing. So the text goes on. And like I said, it's going to be a little complicated. All creation, so not just you and I have pain and suffering. All creation is waiting eagerly for the future day. Here we are. It's waiting now for the future when God will reveal who His children really are. <clears throat> so, sometime in the future, well, he's going to explain this a little bit more, so I'll wait till we, till we read the rest. Against His will, meaning the creation, was subjected to God's curse. So, back when sin entered the world, God judged the world. He didn't just judge mankind, He judged the globe, the, the earth. And so, uh, sin entered, and with sin we're going to see death also 
enter the world. Text goes on. But with eager hope, notice that word hope, it's going to show up repeatedly. Do you have hope in your pain and suffering? We should. Eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it joins God's children in this glorious freedom from death and decay. So, creation's looking forward to it. We're looking forward to it. Um, Freedom from death and decay. Now, some of us are over 40 years old. Um, When we get up in the morning, normally there's some kind of pain. I can remember when I was young and just got jumped out of bed, it was a no issue. In fact, I have to test my knee when I get up, make sure it's going to hold me up, all right? Why? Why is that? My body's decaying. Not pleasant to think about, is it? So is yours, right? And eventually, there's going to be death. So, sometimes I wonder, well, what's the cause of my pain? Well, the cause of your pain is you were born. Simple as that. The body continues to decay. He goes on. For we know all creation, again, back to creation, has been groaning. This term groaning is going to show up a couple times. As in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So it's been groaning. It's continued to groan. Groaning is the present, right? And of course, it will continue. Now, ladies, you understand this childbirth thing better than me. I mean, I've been there when my four kids were born, and it looked pretty painful to my wife. In fact, she wanted to hit me one time <laughs> when I was saying, hey, here comes one of those big ones. I'm watching the monitor. <laughs> anyway, so it's painful. But see, it's not just painful to creation. It's painful to us. And Satan's not just trying to decay or destroy or bring death to your to your body, he's bringing it to your marriages and your relationship with your spouse and with your kids and, and your work relationships and, and so forth. Some of us have um, children who won't speak to us, or children who won't speak to our, their siblings, or whatever it might be. So, in the meantime, we live in, I'm going to call, a broken world. The whole world is broken. In fact, it's amazing it's as good as it is, so to speak. The whole world is broken. So, nature's broken, uh, relationships are broken, our bodies are are broken. This next verse is, is, is a little long. It says this. And we believers, well, unbelievers too, also groan. But we groan differently because we have the Holy Spirit within us. We believe the point of salvation part of God or presence of the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us as a foretaste of future glory. So we just get a little taste. My wife's a great cook. Sometimes she'll be fixing something and she'll bring me a spoon and say, taste this. She wants to know if it's seasoned right or whatever. So I get a little taste, which, you know, an hour later or whatever, I get to eat a whole bunch of, right? So we get a foretaste of what's going to be in the future, even now because the Holy Spirit's with us. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We all wish it was over. We are talking this morning about ministry's messy. Life is messy. We're glad when it's not messy anymore. From released. We too wait with eager hope, like our creation does. There's that word hope again. For the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children. We talk about salvation as being like adoption. 
we are adopted in God's family. We don't have the privilege of being one of God's children yet, but one day we will. Including, this is important, including what? A new body has promised us, because this one's decaying. Now, we see the evidence of this Holy Spirit different ways at different times. Um, my parents started going to church when they were in their 30s, I guess. And um, I've told you this before. My parents smoked, and they were weekend alcoholics. So we go to a Baptist church. My mom gets saved before my dad. And they tell her, well, Jesus' followers shouldn't smoke or drink. So my mom did stop smoking and drinking. I told her she shouldn't do it, didn't do it. My dad, on the other hand, I think he stopped drinking, I'm not sure, but he couldn't stop smoking. Same Holy Spirit. Some things, you know, some people's languages change. Some of their activities change. However, some people, not much changes uh, for a while. But this Holy Spirit brings about change in us, positive change. So this taste is like a down payment. You ever made a down payment on something, a car, a house, whatever? It's still not yours, is it? But it's going to be yours. So in the present, it's not yours, but you put a down payment on it, and in the future, it will be yours. So in reality, God saves our soul. My soul, who I am, is going to go on for eternity. But this body's not. <laughs> I'm going to get a new one. Thank God. I'm going to get a new one. And there won't be any more pain and suffering, right? <clears throat> so he goes on. We were given this hope. There's that word again. When we were saved, when we entered in that relationship with God, we accepted His gift of salvation. Now, here's His logic. He says, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it, right? Uh, Claudia works at a place where you buy glasses. So I got these glasses there a couple of years ago. So I get in and get an exam. I pick out a frame and so forth. And then I have to wait, right? Hope I'm going to get the glasses. Well, a week or so later, I get my glasses. So for the last two years, I don't have to hope for glasses anymore. I have the glasses. So if we look forward for something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. And I was patient. I didn't have to wait very long for my glasses. So in this life, we have to wait. Sin is a struggle. So in the beginning, all right, Three facets. In the beginning, sin entered. In the meantime, right now, we have what? We have hope. I thought about this. Some of you folks are new. Uh, Claudia, our singer, is now engaged to the guitar player, my youngest son, Jared. All right? So they're not married yet. So they are looking forward, hope of the life they'll have together when they get married, right? Uh, those of you who have, have had children, I said, I had four. Your wife gets pregnant, or you got pregnant if you're the wife, and you don't have the child yet, you know, eight months later after you find out or so, you hope, and then you have the child. Text goes on. This Holy Spirit that dwells in us as believers helps us in our weakness. Notice that word weakness, not weaknesses. So, when you feel weak, guess what? That's normal. Scripture tells us, you're weak, I'm weak. Gives an example. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. You ever been there? Especially during pain and suffering, don't know what to say. When Bud died, I didn't know. I didn't know. 
I believe it's, telling, it's okay not to know. It's okay. The Holy Spirit will pray words for us. So in the beginning, sin entered. We said that already. In the meantime, not only do we have hope, we know that the Holy Spirit is praying for us. In fact, even better than that. Notice what he says next. And the Father, so the Holy Spirit's praying to the Father for us. And the Father who knows all hearts knows the Spirit, what the Spirit is saying. Yeah. Right? So, the Spirit pleads for believers in harmony with God's own will. That's the next verse. So, so you and I have all prayed for things that didn't happen, right? Why? Because they weren't in harmony with God's will. Can the Spirit of God pray a prayer that's not in harmony with God's will? No. So this is the prayer that always gets answered, right? How amazing is that? Now, this next verse is the one that's really common to most of the folks who've been around church for a while. So again, this is the context where this verse shows up. Talking about pain and suffering. We know that God causes everything to work together for good. Not that He causes everything. But he causes everything to work together for the good, not of everybody. Again, this is again for Jesus followers. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So I had this assurance, I had this promise, I had this guarantee that no matter how bad things are, how much Satan has screwed up the world in my life and people around me's life, God's going to work something good out of it. How amazing is that? So I put on your outline, when things don't work out, don't appear to work out for us, God is still at work. Text goes on, skipping down a little bit. So what should we say about such wonderful things as these? Uh, Wait a minute, pain and suffering is not wonderful. Well, no, but the explanation. If you don't hear anything else I said this morning, remember this. If God is for us, is God for you? God's for you. How much more amazing can that be? God is for us. And who can ever be against us? God's on your side. doesn't matter who's on the other side, right? I don't know if I believe that. Oh, you want proof? Here's proof. Since he did not spare his, even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he also give you up everything else? So 2,000 years ago, God put a stake in the ground. He said, okay, don't you ever doubt that I care for you. I gave up my most precious thing, my only son. I let him suffer and die so you could live. Don't ever question my love for you. And then he goes on, and this, this is inspirational. The way he words this, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? And so here comes our doubts. Here comes the twist. Here comes the deception. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble and calamities? If God loved me, this wouldn't be happening to me. Or we're persecuted. If you're living in the Ukraine right now. Or hungry, as the people we helped fed on Wednesday. Or destitute. Or in danger. Or even threatened with death. Is that going to separate us from God's love? He answers, no. (laughs) No. Despite all these things or anything, 
overwhelming victory, not just victory, but overwhelming victory, is ours through Christ Jesus. Why? Because He loved us. Then He says this, and I am convinced. Are you convinced? He's convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And here we get into the spiritual realm. Neither death nor life here on earth, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. I hope that brings you comfort. A couple questions and we'll be finished. Could God end sin and suffering, pain and suffering? Sure, He could. More important question is, will God end all pain and suffering? Absolutely. Absolutely. The question is, are you convinced? I think it helps to understand the three facets of pain and suffering. In the beginning, sin entered, pain and suffering, death, decay entered. In the meantime, God is with us. God is, the Holy Spirit's praying for us. God has given us hope. And in the end, all things will be made new. Now, the reason I'm so convinced is I've seen this. I've seen people go through tremendous pain and suffering with a faith that I question if I would, I would have in their circumstances. So this is real. Does it stop the pain? Does it keep the pain from suffering? No. The bottom line is this. It's all about God's sovereignty. Now, that's kind of a weird word, sovereignty. What's that mean? That means that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, always present, so He's never left us. He's all-loving. So, if God is sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, all, always present, and all-loving, I can be convinced that maybe in the present there's pain and suffering, but in the future it'll come to an end. So my let, let, let leave to you is this, the next step. What's your plan? What's your approach? How do you handle? How do you deal with your pain and suffering? I would suggest you deal with it the way that Paul suggests. Let me pray with you. Ah, Father God, none of us likes pain and suffering, but it's part of being human. Uh, we don't like to think about our bodies decaying, but they are. We thank you that our... Once we become a Jesus follower, accept your gift, uh, our spirits, our souls will last for eternity. This body, no big deal. I'll get a new one. But God, I want to belittle people's pain and suffering. Some folks that are here, some people that are watching, listening, are going through some, something really serious, something life-threatening, something maybe worse, something... You know, a marriage that's falling apart or a child that's going crazy or uh, addiction or some other pain and suffering, grieving for the loss of someone. And I thank you that we don't have to deal with pain and suffering in defeat. That we can face, face it with the hope. This is temporary. There's something better in the future. We do pray for those folks that are not Jesus followers, that they would see 
the fact that you're, you're a sinner. We're going to talk about that next week. We're all sinners. And that separates you from God and doesn't allow you to spend eternity with God. And, and in reality, you're an enemy of God. But even as enemies, God loved us enough to die for us so we would no longer be enemies. In fact, he would adopt us into his family. How amazing is that? And it's just a question of, will you accept the gift? Yes, I'm a sinner, God. I need a Savior. I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me. And the Holy Spirit of God will come and dwell in you and beginning that change process. God, we pray for any of those folks that are making those decisions now. Pray that they would uh, contact us, let us know, so we can help them in that process. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you to go with us as we leave this place. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.